Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 44 to 49. We're continuing the story of all that Jesus said and did after the resurrection. Listen for God's word to you today. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So good morning. Once again, I think we're all aware that we're in the, experiencing kind of a COVID spike in our area right now here in our county and in our country. And so I know a number of people have um, needed to stay home to keep themselves safe. So if you're at home watching this today, I want to say hi to you on YouTube and Facebook again. We're glad that you are tuning in to worship with us. Um, and then we who are here, we're also trying to stay safe and keep each other um, well in these days. And so thank you for being here on this uh, Sunday morning. It's good to be in worship together. When I was a little kid, my family lived in New Jersey until I was in first grade, which is when we moved here to California. And um, back in New Jersey, we lived in a house, and there was a few things that I, li- I remember about that, that family home of those years. We had a semi-finished basement where we would play in the winter, and anyone who's lived in like a snowy climate, you know, that's really important because you can't go outside. Uh, we had an old garage in the backyard where one time a, a hornet flew down my shirt and stung me repeatedly while I rolled on the ground. Good memories. We had a, there was a, a big backyard that led out to a field, and you could just go right out the back door, out the back, through the backyard, into this giant field. Years later, I returned to the field, and I found out it was a really small field. <laughs> Everything was smaller than I remembered it. And in the front hall of this house, my childhood home as, as a little, little kid, there was a chair, this one chair, and my parents used it as the place where we had to sit when we got a timeout. And yes, it was the timeout chair. And um, if you, you probably are familiar with this idea of a timeout, it means that a kid has been misbehaving somehow. They've been getting um, wild, acting out, not listening, or something like that. And for a kid, a, getting a timeout and having to sit in that timeout chair is one of the worst things that can happen. Even the threat of a timeout will get most kids to change their behavior because nobody wants to sit in that timeout chair. I wonder as adults, if that's true for us as well. Because I don't know about you, but I don't like to be in a timeout chair. I don't want to be told to stop, to sit down, to slow down, to pause, to breathe, to wait, to sit and think about things for a while. I want to be a person of action. Earlier this week, I was on uh, the phone on a customer service line, and I dialed through the prompts. I hit one for English. Three for change a reservation. Zero for I want to talk to an operator. And then they put me on hold and put on that background music. You know the one. And I sat there for five minutes and 10 minutes and 15 minutes. And then I guess it timed out because a robot voice came on and said, goodbye. (laughs) And they hung up on me. So I I called back 
and I pressed one for English, three for change a change of reservation, zero for speak to an operator, and then I got hung up on again. So I had done all this waiting, and you know what that's like, all this waiting, and it had gotten me nowhere. I was no further along than I had been before. It was a complete waste of time. There's a professor at the University of Maryland named Jason Farman, and um, this is what he says. He says, in the United States, we absolutely think of our time as individual and also our scarcest resource. When we imagine productive time, time being used wisely, time being used well, waiting is contrary to all of that. If you make me wait, you're limiting my ability to be successful in this life. Other people control our time in a way that makes us feel powerless. We don't feel in control. I think that sense of powerlessness and lack of control really drives our hatred of waiting. Nobody likes to be put in the timeout chair or to spend a lot of time on hold or to have the sense that our time is being wasted. Am I talking to you today? So what if, what if some of our time spent waiting was not wasted time at all? What if waiting time was not wasted time? What if it could become one of the most faithful and important things that we do? That's the idea that I want to bring to you and share with you a little bit today and see what it could mean for us. In our scripture lesson today, we have this story about Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples after the resurrection, right after Easter, just like the time that we are in now. And he's been spending time with them, eating, talking, opening their eyes and their minds to understand the scriptures, everything that is said about him. And these are his disciples. They're his closest friends. They're his followers. They're believers. And so they are getting pumped up to get out there and share the gospel. You know, the word gospel, it means good news. And they know that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is good news for everybody. It's good news for the world. It's something that's worth acting on. But in the passage, Jesus says something surprising. He, he tells them to wait. In verse 49, this is what it says. See, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The promise of the Father that he's talking about is the power of the Holy Spirit that comes. And that's at Pentecost in the Bible. That's what happens. Just a few weeks from now, we'll celebrate Pentecost. We'll be reminded and experience the presence of the Holy Spirit again. Jesus says this, do not get out there, do not get going, do not get doing things ahead of the Holy Spirit. You've got to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. You're going to need that spirit, he says, to do things well. You're going to need that spirit to guide you in your life, so don't get ahead of it. God has promised to clothe you with power, to give you what you need, to equip you, and then to send you. So you've got to wait on it. The word that Jesus uses here um, in the Bible is kind of interesting when he says, stay here, stay here in the city. Um, the Greek word, it literally means sit down. Sit, sit down. Um, it's the same Greek root word where we get the, the English word cathedral from, you know, cathedral. I know that a lot of you have been to the beautiful cathedrals of Europe, maybe, or somewhere in, even in our own country, and the word cathedral relates to the seat of a bishop. It's the seat of a bishop. So that's the difference between a regular church and a cathedral, is that a cathedral is this, the place where a bishop sits, sit down. 
cathedral. That's the same word Jesus is using. And he uses this word, sit down, settle in, be seated. He tells them, do all of that until you receive the gift from the Father, until you are clothed with power, until you get some discernment, some clarity, some direction, some strength, some ability to get into it all. Until you get that, don't get ahead of it. Sit down. At the beginning of this new uh, ministry and this new life, and the next thing, the next thing that they were about to do, the disciples were about to do a new thing. It was just over the horizon. First, Jesus put his disciples in the timeout chair and said, let's think about it for a minute. Let's sit here for a while. Why would Jesus do such a thing? Why would he treat his disciples this way? They loved him. They followed him. They were ready to serve him. And why would Jesus do the exact same thing to us? To tell us to sit down for a minute, to stay here for a while and wait on the promise of God. I'll tell you why. We're human, and we have this need and desire to control our own lives, to do things our own way, to rely on our own strength, our own goodness, our own smarts, our own self-control. Add something to your list. But time and time again, we fall short. So we want to live a life that's like up here, but we keep falling back down here, back to the lowest common denominator, back to our basic instincts, back to our usual routines and patterns, maybe our most basic and truest selves. So we're reminded that we're finite, that we're limited, that we're human. And on the human sphere, the human sphere of life, it's like it's hard to move things ahead and to, to do all the good things we want to do just on the human sphere, just on our own steam. But when we join the human sphere with the power of God, the will of God, the way of God, when those things come together, anything could happen. And this is the consistent teaching of the Bible. Wait for the power of God to enter the human sphere. And when that happens, you'll know what to do. When that happens, you'll be enabled, you'll be equipped, you'll be empowered to live the life you're meant to have. Isaiah 40, 31 says it this way, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, those who don't get too far ahead of the Lord like we sometimes might want to do. Psalm 40 puts it this way, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He drew me up out of a desolate pit, out of a miry bog. He set my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth. The idea of waiting in this biblical sense is not wasted time. It's God's time. It's holy time. Waiting on the Lord or waiting on the movement of God or God's action or clarity is something that we can actually practice and take on in our own lives. In fact, one of the things that our church does well together is waiting on, discerning the spirits, seeking the will of God. That's what we do when we, when we come together to pray about something, to talk it over together, to share it with a friend, to raise it up as a joy or a concern. We're seeking the way of the Lord. This last week, I was at um, a committee meeting here in the church. It's the mission committee. 
and um, we were talking about all the projects and possibilities, things that we could do as a church, things we might want to take on, the way we want to serve or give or help or bless those around us. And we talked about you all here in our congregation and the way that you entrust us so much with the work of that discernment, of deciding for the congregation, hey, what are some really good ways to help and bless? And so we started reading this book together, and here's, here's our, our, our team, I think. We read this book, it's called Freeing Congregational Mis- Mission, and it's just an idea of like how do congregations like ours engage in mission faithfully. And the instinct that we have, the instinct that I have, is to run ahead of it all. I think I just want to get out there and start doing stuff. And this book is like, hey, whoa, slow down. Maybe there's some best practices. Maybe there's things for you to learn. And as a, as a committee, as a group, we're talking about it together. I was at another meeting this week, uh, this weekend, with uh, some leaders in our church talking about our preschool, our church preschool, where, you, as you know, we have a new director who's going to come in because the old director has, uh, or the current director is, is uh, retiring or moving on, and we were just talking about the mission and ministry of that part of our church. What does it take? What's the right leader to, be our le- to, to take the role in our church preschool, just a, a ministry of our church? What are the characteristics? We don't want to run ahead of that. We don't want to short-circuit that process. We want to talk it out, pray it out, discern together, see what God will show us. I talked to somebody this week here in the church who's selling their house and making a move, but they don't quite know what the next step looks like. They're not quite sure what that is going to be. And this is one of the great things in my life as a pastor is that this is a person where we said, let's sit down and get coffee and we'll talk about it, share about it, see what, see what God is doing in he- here. It's so important for us, I'm telling you this today, to notice in the Bible story the way that the disciples are told to stay in the city, stay there, sit down, right where you are, until the power of God comes, until the clarity and leadership from the Holy Spirit comes, where you say, ah, this is the right thing. This is the right move. We know it. But they don't stay there on their own. They wait and watch together. They don't stay by themselves in this discernment. They wait and watch with others. So I want to give you this word because we live in such an individualistic culture, don't we? We live in like an individualistic kind of culture where everyone does whatever they want. And so there's great wisdom from the Bible about waiting together for the will of God. If you're facing a life choice, a life change, a big decision, or maybe a question about what's coming up next, I wonder if any of you um, have uh, something coming up in your work life or your career, maybe in your marriage or your relationship. Maybe there's a stage of life that you're about to enter, high school graduate, college graduate, young professional, middle-aged, empty nester, retiree. As you look around the corner to what's just about to come, what's almost here, would you make space to wait for God and to do it with others? So wait, but don't wait alone. I believe that God works through our relationships. Maybe a trusted friend, a partner, a parent, a pastor, a small group, a colleague, a mentor. These are people who help us make sense of our waiting. You're not just on the line getting hung up on by a robot. You are having, uh, there's meaning in the waiting, especially when you do it with somebody else and invite them in. So who's that person for you? Somebody you can wait with. Who is somebody that you want to serve and help by waiting with them? wading into what's going on. 
We know that in the Bible, when they say the, the, the promise of the Father, wait for the promise of the Father, uh, that, that, that's referring to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what comes on Pentecost. But I wonder if the promise of the Father might also be the way the Holy Spirit comes through relationships, like the ones we're talking about. Waiting can feel like such a waste of time, and maybe sometimes it is, but God uses a season of active waiting where we bring our honest questions and our hopes our fears and our doubts, our desires for what we want to do, but we're not sure how to do it, God can use all of that to help us live the lives we're meant to live. You know, for my parents back in New Jersey, back in that house, in the timeout chair, they used the, that chair for a purpose. It wasn't really a punishment so much as a tool. The point of it was to make us stop and think to reflect on our actions, to figure out how we wanted to think and speak and act when we got out of the timeout chair and when we got back into life. It's the same way for the disciples in the Bible. Very soon, they would be sent out as Christ's people in the world, ready to share the good news of the gospel, ready to embody the love of Christ. But before they could do it, they needed to be filled with God's power for God to be the one who was leading them out. And it's the same way for us. My prayer for you this week is that you, yes you, would spend some time in the timeout chair. Especially if you have decisions that you're wondering about. So that you don't make a decision in the fog. So that you let others in. So that you let the Holy Spirit come and guide you where you need to go. That's my prayer for you today. God bless you this morning. Amen.